0: Do you think John Gruden doesn't feel pressure because he's still got six more years on this 10-year deal?
1: I'm going to side with Jim Trotter, and apparently not. Apparently he's there forever. (laughs) Uh, 10-year deals are nice to have, right? Especially when you're in
2: year four.
0: All right. Ed is still in a hotel in San Jose. I was about to say San Francisco, but San Jose, a Marriott in San Jose. Is San
2: Jose closer to the 49ers stadium than San Francisco is?
1: Oh yeah, it's um, it's literally so the 49er stadium's in Santa Clara, so and it, so San Jose is the best place to stay. And you're literally Vincent Bonsignore and I mapped it yesterday on our drive, and it was, I believe, seven and a half minutes. Yeah. So
0: the San there you Jose the Bay. That's right. All he right, he's repping the bay, even though he's in a hotel room in a different state. He's still <laughs> yes. gonna, he's still gonna give us <laughs> grades.
2: Oh, I am. <laughs> Grainy's grades. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grainies, grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may god have mercy on your soul graney's grades. god damn it i hate jack
0: it! the first topic to grade is nathan peterman
1: so he took every snap and it's more than the kids played in probably his entire career including before he got to the nfl so i was gonna give him like a solid b because he had to take every snap solid then he threw into well then he threw into one-on-13 coverage, and you can only play 11 uh, for the pick. And that was really bad, even though it's a preseason game. And someone said he got hit. We, actually, we said in the press box, we, he got hit on the play. But we all said, yeah, but he still threw into a one-on-four. So it's like, that's not a good throw. So you know what? It's Nate Peterman. Because of that throw, he drops down. He gets a solid C. Solid C. Oh.
0: Too harsh. All right. Uh, John. Gruden, oh. John Gruden gets an F. F. Well, because he played Case Cookus for one snap and robbed us of being oh. able to say Nathan Peterman played every single offensive snap for the Raiders in the preseason. We can't factually say that because Case Cookus came in All right. and handed it off exactly one time. Uh, but Nathan Peterman gets an A+. Ah. Uh. How are you so positive because John Gruden did not care. John Gruden had no interest in any of these preseason games and he's been keeping Nathan Peterman around, paying him a million or $2 million every year. And he finally paid off, finally paid off. John Gruden finally proved why he keeps giving Peterman a million dollars is so he doesn't have to play his actual quarterback in the preseason. That's why Peterman's here. And he did it. He played every single one. Yeah, Good for him. (laughs) Next topic. Nick Bowers touchdown. The Raiders only touchdown of the game against the 49ers.
1: Oh, I give this absolutely an A because of the tackle he broke uh, going in. And a. The, well, a couple of reasons. Um, I give it for the great tackle he broke too. I had no idea who this guy was or if he wasn't even on the team. Uh, so I'm going to say an A.
0: I a. do not know who he is either. Uh, but I have I, no idea who he is. I am also giving him an A+. Plus. A plus for one reason.
2: Tyler's taking the stay positive to heart. Yeah, man. Never seen it before.
0: Nick Bowers did more on that play than Jason Witten did in his entire Raiders career. Check. You know,
1: you like to say these kind of things, but if you watched Hard Knocks, the biggest pitcher by far at that Frisco facility was a big wit on the wall. You rounded a corner and you're just staring at big wit. So you can keep making remarks and you keep making fun of big wit, but he's a Hall of Famer and I'm not backing off on that. And one day I'm going to be laughing at you when I'm going to tell you to turn on the television away from the Astros game to see big wit uh, inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame.
0: You know what they should do in Frisco, Texas? They should take oh, down God. Jason Witten and put up Nick Bowers. Yeah. <laughs> next topic. <laughs> Jesus. Is
1: Nick Bowers making the 53?
2: Because <laughs> no. if he is, we're going mean, to look really he bad. Might be, he he might <laughs> be in Frisco, Texas coaching yes. against Big Wit <laughs> in the next couple weeks.
0: <laughs> next topic to grade, the 49ers slogan, Faithful to the Bay. Okay, this gets... This gets
1: a B plus. B+. plus. Because I think it's a great slogan. I am convinced, not, maybe not 100%, but it is absolutely in a way to throw some shade at the Raiders for moving away yet again. Now, they have denied it from the very beginning. This isn't something new. They've had this around for a while. I also think, is it their 75th anniversary? 75 is in this topic. They say it's about their fans, and they have faithful fans. They show up all the time. I think this is shade towards the Raiders at some level. So I'm going to say B plus for the slogan. But they don't get an A because they just just won't admit it. They won't
0: say what it really is. They get an F. F. Because. (laughs) Here's Tyler back. Tyler's back, everybody. The Oakland A's used the slogan rooted in Oakland when the Raiders announced they were moving to Las Vegas. And the 49ers, it took them four years to figure this out and come up with basically the same exact slogan as what the A's did. Like, it would be funny if it wasn't a yes. complete knockoff of what the Oakland A's did a few years ago. And what's funny about the Oakland A's is they say they're rooted in Oakland while their president keeps coming to Vegas to flirt with us. So yes. <laughs> not so rooted in Oakland anymore. But I can't give the 49ers a good grade because while the while it's it is a petty shot at the Raiders... I the, the A's did it 4 years ago. They've been waiting this whole time to do it. Come on. Forty-Niners should have been better than this.
2: They're not near the bay. They're near San Jose. That's still the bay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, all I, all right, I I'm thinking. Okay. Fine.
0: It's still the bay. They should just be called the Bay 49ers instead of the San Francisco 49ers. It would be better. But, ooh, spell it spell it bay. Like never mind. Next topic to grade. This one's just for you, Ed, cuz I wasn't there. The crowd at Levi Stadium well here's the thing
1: um this will interest you and it'll probably uh surprise you i'm gonna give them an a a for one they showed up which is just absolutely to get in your car and to drive for that thing <laughs> but also i have to give the people at the top of Levi stadium an a plus Whoa. because a plus. To, ac- to actually walk that far and that high in a stadium to watch john gruden play a bunch of four stringers you got to give those people credit now Vincent and I arrived very early, and the parking lot was already packed with um, with uh, tailgaters. I mean, it was just packed. So they are good fans here. And, and, you know, 49ers have fans everywhere. And that's what the Raiders like to say, which is true. But the 49ers have a lot of fans places. So I'm giving them an A-plus for just showing up to this thing.
0: A Never plus. mind, like,
1: you know, wanting to be there.
0: What was, like, the capacity? Like, if you're estimating percentage-wise. Uh,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't UCLA football social distancing where there's like six people there, but it might have been. Uh, we kind of guessed that there were. It's so tough because they're so spread out. Um, 35% capacity, maybe.
0: Okay. It seemed maybe it was.
1: They're just so spread out. You can't really
2: tell.
0: Yeah. It seemed even less than that on TV, yeah, but it, I. It was bad. I can't imagine showing up to watch that. No, 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 no. Thank you. No. Um, all right. Next topic. Justin Reed as the Texans emergency kicker. A plus. Uh, we're
1: both in the same a realm. We like, we like buffoonery. Anytime. It's like Justin Turner pitching the ninth last yesterday. Any kind, anytime you get weird buffoonery, I'm going to give it an A plus.
0: Uh, I am giving Romeo Cronell an F. F why do you always go to the coaches? So Kami (laughs) Fairbairn, the Texans kicker got hurt. So the Texans had their safety, Justin Reed as their emergency kicker. He did kick off after each Texans touchdown in this game, but the Texans did not allow him to attempt a field goal. And after all of their touchdowns, they went for two. So they didn't even allow him to kick an extra point. What's the point of having the guy as the emergency kicker in a preseason game. If you're not going to let them at least kick one extra point or field goal, that's an F. The entire coaching staff F's all
3: well, around for the F F- Texans. Fail. Let me ask you this: On the flip side, failure. Should,
1: should you ever attempt a field goal in a preseason game, or should you say, you know what, it's fourth and eighteen, we're going to we're going to face this once in the season. Let's let's go for it on fourth and eighteen.
0: That's a good point. If your kicker is new and maybe sucks, then sure, kick a field goal. But otherwise, you are right. You should absolutely go for it on probably every fourth down. Next topic. Well, I, I was stunned, and I,
2: I had yeah, to get up I was from the like, floor. Did, did you, you just, you, you just you
1: contradicted me on yourself. Yes. Well, and he Vincent. agreed with me, so I had to pick myself oh. up off the floor and get my earbud in.
0: It fell out. All right, next topic <laughs> for you. Not related to the Raiders at all. <laughs> but Bill Foley has filed for the trademark Las Vegas Heroes for a potential Major League Soccer team. Let me be clear
1: about this one. F-minus-minus? f Minus, 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 I don't like the name. I don't, I don't like the name. I, I, I think you know. Again, I'm trying to figure out what he's thinking about, and we do have a lot of heroes in Vegas from what happened in some bad times. But the fact that he didn't have another, it's like it's almost like is you know, can he not think of another color because uh, the knights, the knights need another color. Uh, <laughs> so I thought I'm surprised he didn't come up with you know,
0: fuchsia knights. Um, I don't like the name. I don't like it. Jared, how many times can you press minus after the letter F? <laughs> Let's find out. F minus, 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 minus,
1: minus, 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 minus. It seems like minus, I can just keep going
2: with this. Yes. I minus, can't get over minus, how bad minus, this is.
0: Like, this is such a bad nickname. And the only the only potential redeeming factor is that Wes Edens, who is the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks and Aston Villa uh, soccer team in England, he has also applied for a trademark for a Major League Soccer team in Vegas. His trademark is Las Vegas Villains. And the only possible redeeming factor on this is that Bill Foley just took the trademark for Las Vegas Heroes just to take a shot at Wes Edens that he has no interest in naming it Las Vegas Heroes. He just thought it would be funny to have the exact opposite of what Wes Eden said. That's the only way I can find this amusing. But Las Vegas Heroes, legitimately a terrible name, would be one of the worst names in American sports. What do you think it's about? I have
1: no idea. I, I- mean, let me ask you, This is is it about you know you know he honored the, the you know you know he honored the um, first responders and the nurses and the doctors for the shooting and they did a huge deal on that on the opening night of the first game I'm trying to guess what this is about that's really in my own in my mind now he's also an army guy so I'm trying to guess where he's coming with this whether it's a military thing whether it's the shooting I don't know because there's only so many things you can get to that would even make sense on this.
0: I have to imagine it has to do with the army and that yes. he that yes. they're they're viewed as heroes, right? That they are viewed as heroes and that it would be the Las Vegas heroes and there'd be a lot of army military symbolism that goes around with it. Like the Golden Knights have some of that as well, but I that, that that has to be it. Like when you say when you bring that up that makes me think that's what he would be going for. He'd be going for that same military symbolism just they're heroes. Instead of Knights, Now it's a bad name. And I hope bill Foley doesn't get the team just because of the name that he might have for it. <laughs> coming up next. It's Bischoff's briefs. But first we've got tickets to give away. Do you want to go and see Augie T Hawaii's funniest comic? The best comedy in town isn't on the Strip. It's downtown at Comedy Works at the Plaza. And this weekend, Augie T will be there. We've got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. Caller number three. We'll get to go see Augie T.
2: Bischoff's Briefs. How was the game? Not very good. Have you ever seen a good hockey game? No. Me neither. I love sports. I just can't get next to hockey. Bischoff's Briefs. I think Americans like to savor situations. One down, bottom of the ninth, one run game, first and third, left-handed batter, right-hand reliever, infield a double play depth. Here's the pitch. Bischoff's Briefs. What's going on in hockey? You know, it seems to come out of nowhere. The play-by-play guy is always shocked. Petier passes to Huck and Chuck, who skates past the blue line. Huck and Chuck, of course, was traded from Winnipeg for a case of Labats after sitting out last season
0: with, oh, my God, he scores! Bischoff's Briefs. Congratulations to Brian. He won a pair of tickets to go see Augie T. But Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look at the Carolina Hurricanes and Montreal Canadiens. Because the Hurricanes signed Yesberry Kotkaniemi, to an offer sheet, but we need to go back in time because in July of 2019, the Hurricanes signed Sebastian Aho to a five-year deal worth $42 million. Carolina had to match an offer sheet. The Canadians had signed Sebastian Aho to now offer sheets are pretty rare in the NHL. They are. If you have a restricted free agent, that means he doesn't have a contract, but his team still controls his rights. Other teams can technically sign that player, but they only can sign them to an offer sheet. So you sign them to an offer sheet, and what that means is the team that has their rights has to sign that same sign the player to that same exact contract. If they don't want to do that, then the team that signed to the offer sheet will get him, will steal him away. So Carolina is apparently still pretty pissed about the whole Sebastian Ajo thing because they signed Kotkinemi to an offer sheet, a one-year deal worth $6.1 million, but it's actually $6,100,015 to be exact. That extra 15 is there because that's Kotkinemi's number. He's number 15. Also a part of this deal is a $20 signing bonus. Yes, $20, not $20 million or $2,000 or anything like that. 20, 20 bucks. And the reason for that is Sebastian Ajo, the guy in Montreal, tried to offer sheet away from Carolina, wears number 20. Also, the Carolina Hurricanes tweeted out an Uno reverse card. They also tweeted out uh, a statement in French, like the Canadians do with their Twitter account. Um, so it's terrific. The Canadians, or excuse me, the Carolina Hurricanes, went all in on mocking the Montreal Canadiens while signing one of their players to an offer sheet That is a ridiculously high number for what the player is actually worth. But the real story here is offer sheets in the NHL. They have to change the way offer sheets are done because it is anti-player. It is anti-player movement and it is anti-fun. The reason that offer sheets are so rare in the NHL is because the draft picks you lose. So what happens in this scenario? If Montreal chooses not to match, then the Carolina Hurricanes will sign the player, but then they also have to send a first and a third round pick to Montreal in order to sign this. So not only do you have to pay the player the money that you're signing him to, you also have to send away draft picks, and the compensation is way too high. Because in this case, if you sign a player for roughly $6 million, you have to send a first and a third. If the the way the tiers work, if you sign a player for between 6.2 and $8.2 million, you have to send that team a first, a second, and a third. If you sign a guy between 8.2 and 10.2 million, you got to send two firsts, a second, and a third. And if you sign a guy for 10.2 million or more, you got to send his old team four first round picks. It is absurd. The draft pick payment that teams have to make when they sign a player to an offer sheet and here's the thing player movement it's good for the player because the more teams that are interested in you is good and the more ways that teams can acquire you is good but beyond being good for the player player movements good for the entertainment right in most of our professional sports and hell in college sports with recruiting too the most entertaining times are often the player movement times. It's often your trade deadlines or your signing days or your free agent starting, right? That's the most interesting or most fun times because acquiring players is fun. That is a fun thing to watch your team do. And offer sheets would open up, at least offer sheets with not as harsh of a draft pick compensation would open up more fun, more chances for fun in the NHL. I think they have to change how much teams have to pay when they sign a guy to an offer sheet.
1: Are you suggesting after that entire statement that the funnest thing locally is when we see a tweet with rolling dice? Is <laughs> well, that the funnest thing you think of? What if someone th- signs someone for $20? How many draft picks are you given up for that?
0: Well, it's probably illegal against the rules in the <laughs> NHL. Um, but, you know, uh, I will say the rolling dice tweets, it's better oh. than the actual on-field play. So, yes, well, it has been the most interesting part. It gives you
1: it gives you some hope. Um, as I told Ryan uh, and earlier, please tell me about all, after all this craziness. Please tell me the kid, the Golden Knights bounced, is now running the social media for the Carolina Hurricane. I don't I want think that he is. more than ever.
0: I don't think because he is. all that
1: kid did was make fun of the Boston with the Ted movie. This person, whoever this person is, deserves some kind of award at the NHL awards. They they actually you know because um, all pro sports teams now have people running web or social media, obviously. NHL should give out best social media. Like Gritty should be the best mascot. Who's the best social media? Whoever this person is a runaway winner for that award.
0: Well, yes, because an <laughs> Uno reverse card is great. <laughs> yes. But my favorite is actually, okay, my favorite tweet is them tweeting it in French. Basically yes. to mock yes. the Canadians. Like yes. And I hope, like, had the Golden Knights beaten the Canadians in the playoffs instead of losing to them, I would have liked to have seen the Golden Knights send out a tweet in French about advancing in the next round. That would have been good. But my favorite part of this entire offer sheet is the $20 signing bonus. Because if Montreal matches, that means Montreal has to write this guy a $20 check as his signing bonus. That is going to be the funniest part of this entire situation. That, that would be a funny part.
1: I'll tell you a second funny part that you'll love this, speaking of the Golden Knights and who would write it in French. Uh, little Birdie tells me George McPhee was at the UFC fight over the weekend with his son. And I'm not going to say who, Adam Hill, might have been chasing McPhee down a hallway to maybe get some comments about what did he think. McPhee apparently, allegedly, saw Hill out of the corner of his eye and ducked through a side door to get out of there and I think it's because McPhee had to get back to the facility to write something in French. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason he would have ducked through a side door to escape Adam Hill's wrath of tough questions.
0: I love the idea that there yes. are just random side doors throughout T-Mobile yes. that George yes, McPhee, yes. when he sees a member of the media, can hide him.
2: No, I. he also, it could have been dark, and he just saw Adam Hill coming at him, and he went, I got to get out of here. That's uh.
1: Adam is kind of a
2: foreboding dude.
1: It was um, you know, was it was I I I haven't confirmed it um through Adam Hill, which you know, uh, but um, yeah, Adam Hill told me that.
2: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) hold on though, hold on. You are walking, you're walking down the street, and you turn down a dark alley, and suddenly you look behind you, and Adam Hill, a shadowy Adam Hill, is behind you. You are running. Listen,
1: I mean, uh, he just wanted, he wanted to get, you know, Hey, Hey, what do you think of the fight? Hey, you're UFC. Hey, what's going on? I don't know if he was going to say, Hey, what'd you think about the offer sheet for 20 bucks? I don't think that was going to be it. I just like the image of McPhee exiting because he has to write something in French on some kind of tweet. And whoever's <laughs> running that Twitter account now can't speak French
0: coming up next. Caleb Herring joins the show. Two Williams in the backfield, Kyle and Charles. Charles takes the hit. No, it's a read option. And so on the far side,
2: Going down the sideline is Max Gillum before he's run out of bounds. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Joining us now is Caleb Herring. He will be calling UNLV's opener against Eastern Washington right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Season starts on Thursday, 7 o'clock kickoff. You can hear it all here. With Caleb Herring and Russ Langer. Oh, and Steve Cofield still roaming the sidelines. Is he still doing that, Caleb? They didn't fire Steve yet, did
3: they? No, he's still doing it. Okay. His calves are too amazing for them to remove them from the sideline at <laughs> this point. So he'll he'll be down on the sideline.
0: Has he been hit by anything? <laughs> Or run over no, yet?
3: Oh, that's No, disappointing. I, think, I think the over/under might be might be a little higher than the preseason expectation for the rebels on the field. I think he's dodged more tackles than I've <laughs> actually made contact with him. I, I, I'd hate to see him go down on the sideline with some oh, of those hits, though.
0: I want it to happen in the middle of him giving some sort of report, too. Like that's the key there <laughs> is that he's on the air when it happens. You hear, oh, <clears throat> and then he's just gone. All it, right, it, it it could be uh, Tate Martell warming up on the sideline, <laughs> although he's not although he's not
1: on the depth chart, so we're not even sure he's on the team.
0: So, all right. Caleb, let's talk about the quarterback position. Uh, their depth chart's out. There's an or between Brumfield and Rodgers. Arroyo hasn't named one. How big of a deal do you think it is that they don't have a named starting quarterback when we're four days away from the first game?
3: Well, you know, I don't think it's a big deal for for internal purposes, but I, I do think that uh, I, when it comes down to it, I think that Coach Arroyo, in, the, in his heart of hearts, knows who he wants to go with, and I think he understands that, he needs to have this decided before week one. I think he's been kind of clear about where he wants to be and that being his way of thinking. I think at this point it could be more of a it just isn't known to everybody else yet um, type of scenario. Um, but I, it is very important if, if you're asking to know who the starting guy is going in, not just for, for the press or for the coaches, but for the players. The, the chemistry that you, you know, you, you definitely develop different chemistries with different quarterbacks and a different understanding of, of how each plays as a player out there on the field. Um, so you'd like to know uh, who you're going to be playing with, and as well as game planning-wise, um, what things are going to be available to the offense. Because, like I said, each quarterback, although it's a close race, although it's, it's very close and the differences are very small, I think uh, each quarterback definitely brings something different to the table and a different perspective of, of the offense that you have to be prepared for and understand that going into each game. So I think it's important for the starter to be named, I think, if if i'm if i'm just assessing things i think arroyo at this point probably knows who the guy is going to be and just hasn't made the official announcement yet to uh, to kind of maximize the amount of competition that they get before heading into game week so we'll see hopefully this week they have one named going into the game instead of you know kind of the in-season battle going on like we had last year
1: you saw them both last year um obviously different skill sets to a point uh Take us through, you know, I think both will play. That's kind of been what Arroyo did uh, last season in six games. But, you know, who gives them the better chance at this point? Is it possible
3: to say who gives them the better chance? You know, it's hard to say without seeing how they perform in a game. I think we'll know very early in the season uh, who gives them the best chance. If, Like you said, both play. But just based on my projection of the program, and maybe not just for this year, but just for the future and, and moving forward, I would say that Brumfield gives uh, the the most potential for for outcomes for a quarterback if that makes sense. He's he's the younger of the two. He's had less of an injury a uh, real career. He's more moldable, if that makes sense, and more coachable from from where he is as a raw talent at quarterback, having not been in college as long as Rogers has been. Um so the potential there for improvement and growth is greater. And I think you maximize that potential by giving him experience um in the meantime. So I, I think from my perspective, I think Brumfield gives the, the better and more desirable outcome for the university as things progress into the future. Um, and at, at, the, at the same time, he does have tools. His arm, I think, is he has more pop to his arm. The ball comes off his hands a little hotter, um, even though he's left-handed, and that does make a difference for, for receivers that haven't necessarily caught passes from a left-handed quarterback. I think um, the pop that he throws the ball with, the confidence that he has to throw the ball down the field and take necessary risks. Um, and I know we, we talk a lot about quarterbacks being smart with the ball and decision-making, but I think there are points in games on third and longs or, uh, you know, dire situations where you need to be aggressive with the pass. I think he's shown, even as a freshman in the, in the limited playing time he had last year, a willingness to go ahead and make those throws. And I think that goes a long way towards moving the offense forward. So I would say Brumfield would probably have the slight edge over Rodgers, even though there are so many things that I like about Rodgers' demeanor and the intangibles he brings. As a more mature and developed quarterback, I think Brownfield would be my my option for moving forward with the program.
0: Caleb Herring with us. Uh, what do you think happens with Tate Martell? Do we see him play any quarterback this year?
3: Well, I don't know. I, I think if you want production from him in the fastest way possible, I think it would make more sense to play him outside of quarterbacking, and for for all the reasons that you know, playing quarterback at this level are is very difficult. It's hard to just come in with a few weeks and learn a playbook to the level that you need to know it as a quarterback to be able to execute it with the amount of effect that you would like to as an athlete. So I think if you want to see Tate Martell play, if, if getting him on the field by any means necessary is, is what you're going for, then I think playing him at a different position outside of quarterback, maybe you know, kind of in a Tate Martell role, um, or excuse me, in a <laughs> I said in a Tate Martell role, but kind of in, in like how how they use, uh, why can't I think of his name? Taysom, Taysom Hill. And in, in, in the Saints, yes, there it is. Taysom Hill with the Saints where he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife and able to add to the offense in that way. If, if, if the need to get him on the field is that dire, I see that before I see him playing quarterback this season. But who knows, right? Um, I also do think that at this point, it becomes a disruption of team chemistry because he hasn't practiced very much at all um, in any capacity. I think it becomes a, a, a question of chemistry and disrupting what the team overall is trying to do if you're just trying to find a way to fit him into the puzzle. If he's not there, if he's not ready, you move on, you get the next guys in, the guys that are available, and you, and you go with that. But um, at this point, I don't think that it, it, it's reasonable to expect him to get any major time at quarterback with the way camp has gone this far for him.
1: Yeah, Don't say Marcus Mariota. We know that's not going to happen. Um, I do want to <laughs> ask you about defensively. Uh, they have a lot of upperclassmen defensively. That can be a good thing because there's experience. That could be a bad thing if they haven't improved defensively. Uh, so take us to that side of the ball because that – much like the Raiders, I mean, the two teams of town, that's where everyone always points. Is like, look, you have to be better there, or whatever you do on offense isn't going to matter.
3: Absolutely. I think defensively, it's, the Rebels just on paper, and the depth chart got released, just on paper, have an opportunity to be so much better defensively than they were last season with the additions in the off season that are going to make, you know, an immediate impact like Connor Murphy and, and Kylan Wilborn, those guys coming in immediately from Pac-12 universities should have an immediate impact. And this is like, like I said, you figure this based on the paper. Um, things like moving Jacoby Wyman, who had a very productive season up on the defensive line as an outside linebacker primarily, moving to the interior to add some depth there and probably use his talent a little bit more versatile from the inside. And, and then you got guys like Aaron Lewis and, and Noel Williams coming back with experience. Uh, Noel Williams, a younger guy, but still had a lot of experience last season in those six games. Um, Aaron Lewis has been around the program for a long time. Guys like Trey Kane on the depth chart, but then adding guys back like Phillip Hill, who the last time we saw him play was when he started in Southern Utah in 2019, um, and he went out with the season in the injury, didn't play last year, so we didn't get to see him in the secondary, and now he's back and he's at the top of the depth chart, so he's got talent, he's got skills, and we just haven't been able to see him produce on the field. So all of that adds up to some. And you think about guys like Adam Plant on the defensive line as well, who who have capability. Um but I think it comes together and he's playing more in his position because of guys like Connor Murphy who's playing opposite of him well as the Jets' chart would say. Um, Elia Ahimare and Kolo have to do a great job in the interior of the defensive line. But I think overall you can say on paper the defense has improved. And I think that was a focus whether in recruiting or in development in the off season, having an actual off season with Coach Arroyo. Um I think defensively there's every reason to believe on paper that there have been improvements. Um, Eastern Washington, a test right off the bat though, because the weakness of the team, the defense has been against the pass, whether it's getting a pass rush, um, or, or the secondary not being able to cover anybody. So they're going to have a good test against Eastern Washington. Who's going to try to air it out and make big plays. So we'll see. But I think on paper, you have every reason to think that this rebel defense will be much improved from last season. And even in season past with UNLV,
0: the win total on UNLV is one and a half. Do you think they're going over that this year?
3: I do. I do think they're going over. And I I couldn't necessarily look at, you know, the conference and the schedule off the top of my head until I've seen everybody play and say, where those games become. But I, I just think that's a low total for any team. Um, and I understand why, you know, the betting lines would make it that way to open the season up because of last season and have it a winless season, obviously. Um, and then the conference, I think, uh, top to bottom is better than it's usually been. I think that, you know, teams as far as fourth down on the list, like Fresno State, who just absolutely – destroyed, you know, UConn and, and their opener last week um, it did, did a great job of improving. And they're ranked fourth on the on this side of the conference. So I think the conference top to bottom is a lot better than it's usually been. Um, so it's going to be a tough conference schedule. But I do think UNLV had a chance to squeeze some wins out there. And I think one and a half is a little low for, for really any university standard. And I think with the marked measures improvements that UNLV has made in the offseason, um, in a year of development and off, in the actual offseason that they had, I think you, you can expect a lot of good things from UNLV. I, I think the over would be reasonable for UNOV.
2: Caleb, if you were ever told you're the emergency kickoff guy, and then throughout the game you keep scoring touchdowns, and they won't let you kick an extra point, how how annoyed would you be?
3: <laughs> I don't know that I'd be annoyed necessarily. There's there's a lot of potential for embarrassment as a guy. You know, to, to have to kick. If you come out and miss it and shank it badly, or kick it off somebody's back. I don't know. There's, there's, there's definitely some give and take to that. I, I might be okay if I, if I never get that opportunity to embarrass myself out there.
0: Did you know when you were UNLV? Did you, did you know who the emergency kicker was? Do you guys have an emergency kicker?
3: You know, I don't. Off the top of my head, no. I don't. I don't know that we had an emergency kicker. And, and my, and my estimation was just the punter and I probably would have been the guy you know, been called on to go do it. I don't know how it would have worked, but it probably was me, and I just didn't know it.
2: Did, did
1: you uh, ever? Caleb, oh, get out oh, there. Hold, hold. What? Oh, hold on, hold on, my friend. Hold on, my friend. You were a great player there, but we remember the special team, so maybe you should have been punting.
3: <laughs> I mean, Randall Cunningham did it, and he was pretty good at it in his day. So I, I, Maybe that's a skill that translates to quarterbacks, and that's why quarterbacks are more often than not the emergency guy. If they have one on the roster, I, I don't know. i do it. i try. I just hope that, you know, you guys in the press would have been nice to me had it gone terribly.
0: <laughs> did you did you ever kick or punt in, like, high school?
3: Uh, you know what? What's funny, I actually have drop-kicked the field goal before. Well, Whoa. Drop-kicked? Uh, Whoa. That, drop that, that kick. Whoa. Wait, Whoa. stop burying the lead. Jeez. <laughs> this, this is back stop. in high school, so I've drop-kicked, and I've actually made it. But it, it there's there's things that you can do, but I don't know that drop-kicking really comes in handy in any kind of clutch situations. I don't think anybody would, you know, have that be a better option than an emergency kicker. But, um, no, I that, that's my only experience as a specialist. And I was the holder, so I know the ins and outs of the, the lingo of what's supposed to happen with the kicker and the steps and things like that. But I, I don't think I could under pressure <laughs> kick anything longer than 10 yards.
0: Oh. Uh, I love this. Oh, I love that we just awesome. randomly <laughs> find out that you were drop kicking extra exactly. points in high school.
3: You know, the, I, there's so many random things that I've learned on this show. Like, for instance, the digital horse racing. Oh, let go, Caleb! No. no, no, it's Caleb, no, let's I, no, go. I, no! Sorry. Don't, no, don't spent, encourage this. I spent, no. I spent more time than I probably ever would have imagined researching digital horse racing, racing, oh. and really thinking about making an investment. Let's it's crazy. go, let's it's go, Caleb. Language. Let's I'm get on board, in. Tyler.
0: We got fake horses. You want you into fake chickens? We got fake chickens. They're going to be racing pretty oh. soon too. Let's when go. What is it
3: in? There's fake everything. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, it's great. Caleb, what a great guest. What a great way to end. That was that. an awesome
3: spot. Thank an you,
0: awesome Caleb.
1: Thank, thanks for bearing back. the lead on being a drop kicker. Jeez, that was awesome. That was
0: awesome. Oh, and he took the kid. Took the kid fifteen minutes to see. I drop kicked extra points. Come on. Should have been that should have been the number one thing on his recruiting bio when he was coming exactly. out. Like, yeah, quarterback, whatever. I can drop kick extra points. Get, right.
2: Your team will be Let's on Sports go. Go. Center every week. We are running a bit late. All right,
0: coming up next, we find out who else loves my fake horses.
3: Power fly
0: ball left near the line, and yeah. the catch is made
2: on the other side of the wall by Connor Joe. Connor plenty of time to get under this one and because of the low fence at Dodger Stadium you do have the opportunity to reach over and grab it and
3: again this time he went so Bellinger is out number two fifth strikeout for Sensatella this is popped up playable Krohn will make the catch
0: what a job by Sensatella OK so uh, for the ninth inning Justin Turner
3: is going to pitch
0: Turner said you're making me nervous stop the left center Pollock is there and there's a new leader in Dodger franchise history ERA, 0-0-0. his name is Justin Turner
2: on the ground to short
1: Trevor's got it. And the Rockies have shut out the Dodgers 5-0,
2: and they take two of three in Los Angeles over the weekend. You're locked in the press box.
0: That was nice. I put, I put some good stuff in there. Is Justin Turner now going to be a part of all the bullpen games, Ed? Doesn't matter. We can't win it with Roberts. It's over. <laughs> this
1: guy You've won it up. with
2: Roberts. Screwed what? up. <laughs> what? What?
1: By pitching Mitch White yesterday, not staying on track, another bullpen game, which means when they play the Giants next week, they will not have Bueller followed by Scherzer. This guy screwed up. He cost us a lot more than one game yesterday. This guy, and not happy at all. I I, I was fuming yesterday with my buddy Will that once again, this guy's pitching decisions are going to cost us the pennant.
0: I love that Will gets mentions every time the Dodgers <laughs> yes,
1: lose. Yes. Well, he has the same thoughts as me. Mitch White, call him back up. Oh, Roberts. Oh, he just, he cost us a game yesterday, and now Scherzer doesn't go against the Giants. Might as well give up. <laughs> just, just know that you're in the wild card game. It's going to be the Padres. You're going to lose the one game wild card game. Go on to the next season.
0: It's going to be the Reds, and you're going to be fine. <laughs> so, okay, hold on. Did he, he broke the normal rest of Scherzer and yeah. Bueller?
1: No, Uri, um, uh, Urias could have gone yesterday. He could have gone yesterday. They chose to go another bullpen game. And he brings up Mitch White for like the, I don't know. Mitch White's like, you know, the uh, uh, the Golden Knights was southwest back and forth from Chicago a couple of years ago. This guy's been up and down a million times. He's not that bad, actually. i got to give Mitch White credit. He's not as bad as a lot so of people. So he is Brandon Peary. Yeah. But yeah, he's, yeah, this is the Brandon period of the Dodgers. But it's just, it's Robert's overthinking the room, man. If you know you have the Giants next weekend, you have to go Urias Bueller Scherzer. You have to. I mean, because given, you know, oh, I'll tell you what, if you do, do you bet, do, I don't know if either of you guys have apps. Let me clue you in on something. If the Giants lose early in the morning, bet your house on the Dodgers losing because they cannot win a game <laughs> when this weird team loses before them. I mean, if I had an app and I don't, uh, and I wasn't going to be – I wasn't in Nevada anyway. But I would have told Bonnie, get to the book and, and, and get Tristan's Ph.D. money on this one because there's no way they're beating the Rockies after the Giants lost to the Braves.
0: So what you're saying is the Dodgers will not catch the Giants?
1: No, why would they? Why would they ever win on a day this team loses – given this team loses two straight like every six weeks? <laughs> I I genuinely
2: thought that when I put like – I picked random highlights because to, 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 to showcase – that Rockies thing, I thought he would come out going, Turner, what a guy. He's great. He can pitch. No, no. Fire Roberts. Yeah. We can't win it with him despite having won it with him.
1: Oh, he kills me. I think he does a really good job a lot of places, but the pitching, I just don't – he has no feel for that. It's amazing. The guy's been to three World Series, um, lost one to the Cheaters. Uh, well, actually, Boston cheated, too. So lost two to the cheaters and then actually won one. So uh, I, I don't know how he does it with his pitching decisions.
0: Dodgers pulled a, pulled an Astros and a Padres, lost two or three to the Rockies at home.
1: Oh, it's amazing. And the Rockies, comma, who never went on the road, came in and, well, I the, who let's see. They got, who did they, oh, they got Scherzer, right? No, I'm trying to think because I was on the road. A, the first two, one and three were bullpen games. So it couldn't have been Scherzer. It was Yuri. I don't know who it was. They won. They beat him one time. I like fell off the couch here in my hotel room outside the Norman Bates Hotel. That they actually won that
0: game. The um,
1: the I think Dave Price. I think Price beat him.
0: The Rockies have now won twelve percent of their total road wins against the Dodgers this weekend. Yeah, they have seventeen yeah, road wins on the year. Two of them just happened in the last three days in LA. Erieus
1: Bueller Scherzer against the Braves. They'll win one out of three. Scherzer'll beat him. Cy Young's losing on tomorrow night.
2: They're gonna sweep the Braves. <laughs>
1: They're not gonna sweep the Braves. You know I'll bet all you two the horse, Braves. I'll do bet you two horse,
2: home runs.
1: I'll bet you two horses and a chicken. That doesn't happen.
0: That is like a million dollars, Ed. Do you know how much you just tried to bet? <laughs> that is a ridiculous amount to put down on uh, the table.
1: I'll, I'll give you a whale pitcher.